I'm James Duncan, National Healthcare Leader at SEEK, Australia's largest employment marketplace. Each week, the healthcare team dissects the workforce data from healthcare with what we're hearing from talent acquisition leaders at the front line. This is SEEK's Health Check, where we aim to share our learnings from the healthcare marketplace. This finds you very well. Here we are again uh, for the Seek Health Check. My eyebrows are going back a little further if you're uh, on, on mm. video here. You like I that? did wonder if it was just a little bit of a powder or something like that. <laughs> I was going to get some of that, top. that yeah. eyeliner stuff, but uh, I can't get the courage and the chemist. I keep sort of walking away. Um, no, nah, any kidding. All right, this week, uh, we're going to touch on physios this week, which is great. Uh, but first of all, I just wanted to touch on the Seek Employment Snapshot came out again this week. Um, so this is covering the last two weeks up until Sunday, the 23rd of August. Um, and the key insights this week were seek job ads in the last fortnight are at 71% of pre-COVID levels, which is good. It looks like they're up a little, a couple, maybe 2% from last time. Job ad volumes continue to recover in most states and territories and Tasmania and Northern Territory have actually gone past their pre-COVID levels, which is good. Victoria uh, are at 45% of their pre-COVID levels, uh, but uh, are 59% higher than the wave one low point in April, which is quite interesting. So while the impact, uh, I guess, medically has been quite large uh, down there, um, job ad volumes haven't, haven't followed that. Um, so still up from where they were at that, that April measure. So that's a so snapshot. much more uncertainty in the first wave maybe is yeah, it's interesting. such a low point, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, it's, it's very interesting. Um, so today we'll look at physios. So when I look at physios, I'll just give you quick stats on physios. If we look, if we go top down, we look at healthcare and medical. And just so we know, I'm looking at three month data. So the previous three months, May 20 to July 20 versus May 19 to July 19. So it's only three months. That's a bit of a good COVID measure, I guess. Um, healthcare and medical is actually down 18% uh, as a classification and physiotherapy within that classification as a subclass is 16% down year on year on that three month period. At either ends, natural therapy and alternative medicine up 24% and sales, healthcare sales is down 62%. So physiotherapy is right in the middle. Um, so let's, let's have a talk about that. Let's see what we've heard historically in this space um, and what we're hearing at the moment. So mm. I let's, think my, let's kick the, off. it's really interesting you say that because in the last week i've had a couple of conversations one especially with a organization that is a national physio that's all they do is physio and um my, my contact there was saying that they were in the last six weeks especially had really felt like ad applications sorry application numbers had really dropped off compared to what they normally would be and when we're talking about a drop off on a very small number normally for physios it's concerning so you might have six as the average number of applications. We're now getting three. So the pool's even smaller. I went and had a look into specifically their um, application numbers via Seek, and um, it was reflecting that there was a there was a drop off. There was generally less applications, but suburb to suburb physio um, job ad application numbers change pretty significantly. So it's definitely validated. When I was looking at the um, supply and demand specifically for physio in Australia. The demand, so the number of job ads on Seek, peaked in January um, or February of 2020. It's the highest it's actually been in terms of a, a growth 
um, in the last seven years in terms of job ads coming onto Seek for physios. And what always happens with this, I'm sure you guys have seen this with different industries as well, that the, the, the way, you know, the disparity between demand and supply, so the number of job ads versus the number of candidates, so frequently goes that there's, um, they're even, 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 and then demand takes off. So we see lots more job ads. And then slowly, it takes a lot longer for the candidate market to respond, but slowly that the candidates start to respond as well. So we see the demand kick off and then supply kicks off at the same time. And what's happened with physio since the start of this year is that we've seen the, um, the demand peak and then start to drop off and drop off pretty significantly in terms of the number of job ads that are coming onto site. But at the same time, supply has continued to grow. So they're kind of going this trajectory where they'll meet and take over one another. So it's really interesting and looking like it's becoming a more, more healthy environment in terms of attracting candidates. So it kind of goes against what we've been saying, what my client is saying around getting less applications. Interesting point, Carl. It reminds me of when I was a recruiter back in the day. I was always waiting for that time where there was loads of great candidates and there's loads of demand in the market, but it just never happened. Um, but one point I did want to pick up on is I think the scope of practice has probably been altered a little bit by by COVID and, and the events surrounding COVID. And if you think about ultimately what, what customers are looking for or what organizations are looking for when they're trying to find a physio is a candidate that's interested in a new role. When you think about the scope of a physio role, it's typically you think of an in-person consultation. And with telehealth and with I suppose less need for individuals to, or, or less capacity for individuals to get out given the restrictions. That's changed the way that potential candidates might be looking for a job, or even it might just prevent them from looking for a job, which you could imagine would see then number of applications reduce, and therefore it's harder to find those candidates. You would think there would be, if you've been a physio for a long time, or you're, you became a physio because you want to be a physio, that it uh, you might be more apprehensive about applying for a job that you're doing from behind a computer. Right? That's not what you've learned well, exactly. how to do or practice what you're doing. So there might be yeah. some apprehension initially to to be applying for jobs. Mm. So what's it, but it, sorry, I was going to say, but then also that talks to the the efficiency piece where you know if you've got set appointments where someone's got to come in, they've got to sign in, then you meet with them, and then you do the whole consultation. As we've seen with pretty much every other aspect of the market that when you've got it online and you're doing it through zoom meetings or whatever else you can actually get a lot more done and actually get through more appointments so there may be an efficiency aspect to that where they're able to generate more revenue potentially i've been knocking off at one o'clock every day since we've been working home on zoom what? finished yeah no, oh, oops, sorry james you're there oops yeah Thinking about the scope of practice for physios, look, my understanding is that typically they're getting revenue from multiple streams. So they look, they're getting income from private practice and from public. And look, that's changed due to COVID, I'd say. So actually, interestingly, I was looking at the average salary. So looking according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the average salary for Australian adults is $84,968. So let's call it 85K. Seek, when we track salary data, we look at job ads that have been popped up on Seek and the salary that the hirer has input. And the average for physios Australia-wide is 82,000. So it's actually below the Australian average for an adult. Anyone have any thoughts on that? Because typically 
when it's the most hard to fill role, why are we paying less than the Australian average? I mean, you'd, you'd have to weigh up casual contract, that sort of thing on one side, because, you know, maybe that's, you know, a bit of part-time, bit of contract work here and there. So it's a few hours a week. And that's what I'm hearing more. I'm not sure. I think it was with you, Kyle, a little while back. We caught up with, especially with as COVID hit this second wave in Melbourne, there was a lot of, you know, where they where sort of 75 to 80% of their their practice was was in private, you know, their own their own practice as such. As that's closed up, they've moved more over in, into the public the public uh, domain, so they're doing a bit there. So I do wonder, you know, while that's what the salary is, is that what sort of proportion, what sort of hours are at play there? Because uh, so you kind of got to imagine they'd be earning a lot more than that. Hopefully, they can they can email in and tell us what they're earning, and we can we can fix our data up a bit, maybe. But uh, but look, that's the advertised salary in that subclass. So I mean, we can't really debate it. It is what it is. Some of the data I was looking through last week indicated that way over fifty percent of all physio roles in Australia are actually part-time roles, which which seems to support what you'd mentioned, Cara. I also think that with the SIG data, we can look at we look at the, the physio subclassification. It's physio, OT and rehab. Um, and you're, you're assuming there that every single role that's posted in that subclass is a physio role. I'm sure there's more specialist roles. There's probably a lot more junior roles at times, which can perhaps bring the average down a little bit. But yeah, no, it, it, it does seem strange that it's slightly below the average, doesn't it? And I certainly would assume that there's a wide range of job titles within that classification, but only 6% of roles nationally get paid, according to our SIG data, over $100,000. So I wouldn't say that it's only 6% mm. of roles are genuine, you know, qualified physiotherapy opportunities. Yeah, agreed. And I guess that'd be interesting to pick that apart and look at, what proportion of those are part-time because if it's a part-time role that's paying 80k and it's 50 percent of the hours in the week it's pro rata you're talking 160k so salary is a massive factor for physios because if we think about their scope of practice or their normal work is to act as a sole trader and generate their own revenue they might work sometime in a hospital in regional areas or in metro they might work sometime for a company a private clinic organization and so they might have three four income streams so when they're searching and looking for jobs or being approached about jobs you would think an accurate and attractive salary in normal world is important let alone right now would be super important because their, their scope of practice is different and they're going to be asked to be doing something on a temporary basis so i wonder if people are putting in the right amount of effort in 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 talking to the actual money component of what these people are going to get paid and how you're going to remunerate these physios, not just glossing over it, not just merely re referring to it or hoping that they understand what their salary package would be, because it is a really important part of what shapes a career as a physio in Australia. What about then, Carl, if, if and, and this has happened in the past where you've got organisations that know they pay less than average, they've got loads of other great incentives. So I'm probably answering my own question here in terms of what you communicate in the ad effectively, but companies are less likely to put the salary front and center if they know that it's less competitive than other salaries in, in other companies. Didn't, and I also think Seek did a piece of research that candidates are 70% less likely to apply for the job if there's no information about the salary, which is pretty big. Figures. You just don't know, I suppose, with this, with this type of structure where people are generating income 
from another source, their own work through a hospital, through something or other, you, you, you might be below the benchmark, but that's not to say that no one's going to apply for your role, even if they if the salary is lower. If they know what the salary is and that suits them, then they'll apply. They're, they're a suitable candidate. It's not as black and white as, as how I make that sound, but the exposure of it, they're, they're still not going to take your role if it's too little money. <laughs> and, and if they know what it is, they're more likely to apply. Absolutely. So I guess a never-ending argument about that one. It is. And it's amazing how many clients... Yeah, kind of still do that. And, and you look at that laws of attraction data, that's, you know, number one driver of attraction. And it just, and even with what we're seeing off the back of COVID in, in aged care and personal care workers and doubling salary, and it's a little lever that it is, there's no, you know, it's, I guess it is number one for a reason. It does bring more candidates in. Um, but look, just on that, I know we've covered a lot of what's happening in the market and what's um, been discussed. And look, I understand it's a historical challenge and it's still a challenge, but what have we done I guess historically, more recently, um, to try and help clients out of this. I know you know sometimes things work, sometimes they don't. But you know, let's sort of maybe chat through some of the things we've tried or done or heard uh, that have that have helped in talent attraction in this space. There's some really interesting research that came out around our premium talent search product. Which, for those of you who don't use it or aren't familiar with it, it's a profile database of 13 million plus candidates across all different industries and customers that have premium talent search are able to proactively engage with candidates in various different ways, which really talks to proactively engaging and seeking out those candidates as opposed to putting an ad up and, and sitting and waiting. Um, and some of that data, the interesting part of it was that 18 months ago, over a 12 month period, there were around about 8,000 access CV connection. So that's basically where an employer has accessed the CV of a physio. 18 months later, it's around about 48,000, which is, wow. I mean, my maths isn't that great, but it's, it, it's a big increase. And I think what that really talks to is, is what I've touched on really, where, you know, when I think about my recruitment background, I used to find recruiters myself, that was my market. You know, ad, ads play a really effective role because an ad would attract an active candidate and active candidates are the easiest ones to place, presuming that they're good quality and good relevance to your role. Um, but you can't just rely on that alone. So you definitely need to proactively map the market, um, find people that, that you think are relevant to your opportunity, engage with them, but then essentially put in place an engagement strategy over a period of time. So once you've had that initial contact, and they're in your own talent pool, how do you find a reason to engage with them every month, every couple of months? And from a direct employer perspective, that means that you can build that trust, you can communicate your employer value proposition over time, so that when, and this is what I get with quite a few customers, they use the approachability signal to then work out when's the optimum time to engage with these people. So we've already got the relationship, they're in my talent pool, but now's the time to check back in with them because we feel that the data or certainly the data showing that they might be receptive to an approach at this point. So that's really, really becoming an increasing trend. And it's something that's, that's the customers are doing more and more and getting some really great results from. I think it's fair to say that the days of post and pray and then post and pray again, and then post and pray and pray again are over for physios, right? Like it's, if there's a, there's an increase in people, posting job ads for them and there's an increase in people mm. searching for them both of those proactive and reactive and passive recruitment is covered everyone's doing it 
you've, you've got to go to the, the next level of what that is, which is what you talk about, talent pooling, keeping the pool warm, and do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, a, a really well-constructed, well-written job ad is definitely plays a, a strong role. And, you know, as I mentioned, the active candidates, if, it, if a candidate's on seek, we know that they're engaging with our platform. We know that they're, they're receiving communications of the most relevant opportunities for them. So you, you want to have that presence to make sure that as and when they are being more active in market, that they can see your opportunity and they're in a position to apply for it. But you've got to have more tools in your arsenal. I spoke to a customer recently that recruits for only physios and OTs Australia-wide. And he was breaking down where all his placements come from. And he was he was looking at all different um, placement sources. So other things like LinkedIn and their company careers page and, and recruiters. But from a seek perspective, about 20% of the pla- his total placements were coming from job ads and 30% of his total placements were coming from proactively sourcing through our talent search tool. So seek as a business was getting him 50% of his placements, but it was actually more the proactive side rather than the reactive. It's really interesting. Even um, guaranteed hire, the guaranteed hire team, which um, if, if, if there's anyone watching or listening that hasn't used guaranteed hire, we essentially use seek to the best of our abilities for you. Right? We can talk about that in another time. The, um, the, the, the team there do a lot of physio roles. They get asked for a lot of it because it's so hard. Right. And I know even now that they're leaning more on talent search, to help feed candidates into into that as well, and and, and you know reaching out proactively with the hiring manager that they're working with um, to try and get that. I, I think I think it's across the board everything we're saying here is it's a mix of a mix of role strategy, right? Well, it's funny. I I was just been had a big aged care client um, contact me this week asking me to map out physiotherapy for them just to sort of see where the I think their term was where are the pools? Uh, where do I need to go fishing? <laughs> And it was, I was just looking at the mobility data on that, uh, where this client's up in Queensland. So what we're seeing, a pretty, so Brisbane, Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast. So I've looked at all the different locations and where the applications are coming from. So uh, say for in, in Brisbane, for instance, 70% of them are local applications. This is just for physios. Uh, 30% are actually external. Out, they're coming from outside of Brisbane in. Melbourne on in Brisbane, Melbourne is second place as far as... Um, application numbers for physio roles in gold coast melbourne's second again making up 5.6 percent of the the application pool um sunshine coast 6.8 um and then as you kind of go up the coast and this is where they're struggling up in harvey bay uh far north queensland they're really struggling up there melbourne 8.4 percent for harvey bay um 10 percent for cairns and then six percent for north queensland but the way they rank melbourne is kind of Melbourne and Adelaide actually are right there, one sort of two and three are behind Brisbane. Um, so yeah, it just sort of shows again the the levers you have to pull the you know talent search or mobility to, to to fish in other markets because you're right. I think those sometimes those local markets are, are tapped out or the people aren't uh, willing to to go through the the application process. So mobility is another one. And it's just interesting given COVID in Melbourne, you know what's happening right now. Everyone wants to get out. <laughs> yeah. Let's leave Melbourne, go to the sun and rub someone's shoulders. Physios do more than that. Fix my hips. Thank you. In Tasmania, less than half of people that apply for roles for physios and OTs are from Tasmania. So I think it was 43% are local candidates and 57% are external. So 
if anyone's recruiting in Tassie, it's not <laughs> just have a look the at warm. The it's the cold, <laughs> the cold, they have been moved. Similar with um, Wollongong, actually, which is the you know, one of the three major cities in New South Wales. They're about 73% of all applicants for physio roles are outside of that area. So, I mean, a lot of those are taken from Sydney because Sydney's not considered Wollongong. But um, again, Melbourne is is the most represented outside of Sydney. Um, is that right? So it is. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, same with Sydney as well. Sydney, any the the I think Sydney is about eighteen percent of roles. Candidate eighteen percent of candidates are external to Sydney that apply for those roles, and around about four and a half five percent of those are, are from Melbourne. That's the, the the most represented location outside of Sydney. I think that's changed. I remember looking at this a little while back as well, and and it wasn't Brisbane. You know, for any regional Queensland, Brisbane's always number one, but. Melbourne, it was more Sydney, more Sydney and New Zealand were up there and, and overseas was another, but Melbourne really wasn't there, a little bit from WA as well. So it's, I, that's definitely changed in my view. Um, Melbourne has really probably in the last you know few months come up there. So I think it adds to that that piece. Well, if I can say something as, as someone who, who looks after companies that are recruiting physios in Melbourne, stop it. Leave some for us. We need, there's empty roles. Stop stealing them. I know we're, we're sort of conscious of time here. So let's sort of start wrapping this up a bit. Um, fantastic chat. There's a lot there around uh, the, the change of scope of practice, obviously. Um, a bit around the salary. I think the other, the big thing here is historically, this is, has been a, a tough, it's probably the toughest subclass, I think, uh, in healthcare and medical. And I think the candidates in this space are, you know, maybe a bit more diverse to the way you contact them. Uh, that's going to work better. So this, this battle goes on. And I think, I think some of the things we touched on here with talent search and how you utilise that, how you utilise the job ad and how you utilise, I guess, mobility as well. How you tap into that is, is, um, is very important. I think probably the other thing we didn't touch on here and probably needs to be maybe talked about later is that sort of culture and um, how you sell the proposition. What's your unique selling point? Because when you've got this battleground, um, you kind of need to sell some of the other things. But we, we touched on salary being the most important thing there. But there's other things we can do when you touch on, on that as a, as a topic maybe at a later date. That's it really, I guess. A bit of a wrap um, for us all. So yeah, any, any feedback, any thoughts, um, please don't hesitate we're all ears here we're very radically candid as well we love we love uh, constructive feedback um so so shoot it through um but yeah that's it until uh, until next time um thanks again